Welcome to another episode on the Home Tech Talk podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Aiden. On this episode, we caught up with Shane from Thor Technologies. Yeah, in this episode, we had a great overview of the Thor product line and learned a little bit about some of the filtration products that they have to offer. And if you are liking our content, feel free to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell to keep up to date. Shane, welcome to the Home Tech Talk podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Do you want to just give us a quick rundown on how you came to represent Thor and the background of Thor in the Australian market? Absolutely. So, look, I've been in the uh, AV space now for about 18 years, uh, and it started off uh, for a company called Avanti. I was designing uh, smart wiring systems, structured cabling, and home theatre, Uh, and then went into a a few different jobs doing the same thing. And then from there, I actually went to um, LG Commercial. So I worked for their display division, uh, doing like a lot of commercial stuff, pubs, clubs, airports, that kind of thing. Uh, And then from there, I spent a little over three years at Pioneer, where I looked after the uh, home AV market, so amps, receivers, speakers, stuff like that. Uh, And then from there, actually did a a short stint in telco for a little while, but then come back to AV uh, working for Thor, which is uh, where I've been now for about four and a half years. Yeah, awesome. Did you want to give our audience a bit of a background into Thor? Yeah, absolutely. So look, uh, Thor was founded in 2001. uh, So we've been around about 21 years now. Australian company and uh, our engineer and our director came from a power company before that so you know there's there's now over 30 to 40 years of experience in the power space from sort of the late 80s Uh, they came across and they formed Thor and, and yeah we've been in the Australian market now for well 21 and a bit years and we we focus solely on power protection and filtration uh, now with the, actually we've just started network protection as well, like Cat Five, Cat Six cable protection. But ultimately, that's all we do, all we've ever done, and and we focus down on that. Well, what are the key products in the product line? Like we've got some of the products here with us. Yeah, look, I mean we we have sort of three or four uh, verticals of products, if you like. So we have our um, our power board range, which starts at a single point plug and goes right through to an eight-way board, which you see behind you there, the red board, the A12. Uh, then we have a range of uh, hardwired products. So we have two DIN rail mount products, which go into uh, the distribution box in your house. Yep, that's one behind you right there. That's our 20 amp version, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we also have a 30 amp version, which then allows you to put it into the distribution box and actually liven up or, you know, protect and filter the power points in your house. Uh, and then we have a cavity mount model as well. Uh, and that's for, you know, those applications where DROMs don't quite, you know, there's not enough room in the distribution box or something like that. Uh, we can delve on that in a little bit more detail. Uh, Then we have our rack mount gear. So we have two versions of rack mount. Uh, We have an RF11 and an RF11 IQ. 
the difference being they're basically the exact same thing, except that the RF11 IQ is uh, controllable uh, via a control system. There is also an app, um, control for specifically, uh, especially on the, we've got a new model coming in a couple of months, will actually be control for certified, has SDDP and everything that you require for that. Uh, we have what you also see behind you, which is the PS10. That's our voltage regulation. So that one is actually a power conditioner. So not only will protect against surges and spikes and will filter the power, but will actually regulate the voltage for you as well. Uh, and then now we have our new uh, network protection range too. So uh, RJ45 protection, we have a single inline protector and then we have a 16-way rack mount protector for yeah protecting all your network cables from surge because surges become a pretty big issue on the network side of things as well as the power side of things. Yeah. So where in the in the network chain would that product be plugged? Like you know where would that plug be utilized? So the uh, obviously the inline basically anywhere. So I mean to give you a little bit of background on how we came to doing that product. We do quite a bit of business into the security industry and a lot of cameras were actually getting taken out because, you know, they're, they're outside, they're exposed, whatever. And, and when the house or when the, the sometimes the camera, but even around the camera, when it cops a strike, cameras were actually getting fried and they were power over Ethernet cameras. So they effectively didn't have any power. And then... Uh, well, they do have power, it's just powered over the Ethernet. And of course, you can't plug a 240 volt protector on that because there isn't one. So then that caused us to do a little bit of research and a bit of digging and actually build a uh, RJ45 protection. So you would have it like in line on your feed to the camera. Uh, you could also have it in line on your feed into the modem because a lot of people during lightning storms get modems cooked. I've had one personally, and it was of course plugged into power protection, but not network protection. And so what happened is the surge hits the ground, gets into your telephone cables or your network cables, and actually comes through and fries the product that way. So you would put that in line before the network port, literally of anything you would want to protect from surge, which, you know, like power is pretty much anything you care about. So, so that that product would be PoE pass through if you're utilising those cameras. Absolutely. So it will pass. So I think from memory the uh, cutoff is 100 volts. So that's where it deems a surge because PoE is 40 something volts, and then and then PoE two I think is 61 or 62 volts. So we factored all that in, and the cutoff is just above that. So yes it will pass uh, power over Ethernet. It will not identify that as a surge, but anything over that, absolutely, it'll cap it. And, and you know, it's got a, so I don't know, do you guys have an RJ45? No, you didn't get one of those. Basically, it's got an earthing pin as well because for uh, surge protection, earthing is very important because what we do, and this is fairly unique to us in a lot of cases, is the first thing we try and do is divert the surge to earth and then if there's anything left over then 
the the board or the RJ45 protector will absorb it if necessary, and at a last resort, cut the power if it's excessive. And that's a destructive process for the device itself? So it is a, ultimately, if you do take a whack on the surge protector, all of a sudden uh, it'll be a broken circuit, like that camera won't work or you'll have no internet to your computer to be going, what's going on? That will basically be a throwaway item. So you take that out, you throw it away, you put a new in and you're up and working again. But bottom line, if it was big enough to take out the surge protector, then it would have cooked whatever was on the other end. So better a $120 surge protector than a $2,000 computer, $3,500 PTZ camera, etc. Yeah, awesome. That is a very useful product. I haven't really thought of that too often. I have actually also had multiple modems and routers be affected by electrical you know, activity. So Look, it happens. And, and with the new one as well, something to note is it's gigabit rated. So uh, there will be no throttling of your speeds either, which is very important. Uh, so anything up to a gigabit per second will pass through that, which, as you know, we're all up around there in a lot of regards at the moment. And that's same with the rack mount as well. So then we do have a rack mount version to go at the other end, you know, to protect everything on your rack. So if you have a fairly heavy data system coming in, you can protect everything at the rack end. We talked just briefly about the different, you know, there being surge protection and and um, power filtration. What is the difference between those two activities, and then what sort of what's the consequences of them? So we'll, we'll talk about protection first, okay? So uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I suppose on protection, right? It, there's there's three there's three key factors when you're talking about protection, okay? There's dual rating response time and clamping voltage. And a few of these is where we really set ourselves apart. Uh, the first one is dual rating, okay? So a dual rating very simply is uh, a measurement of energy, as you know. And that measurement, it, it equates to how much energy that the board can absorb, okay? So um, to put that into perspective for you, think of it like a battery. You get a brand new surge protector, it's got a full battery. Every time it has to wear a surge, you wear down on the battery until the battery's all gone, which is time to replace the surge protector. Um, now, the reason I bring this up is we get a lot of, um, you know, especially in retail stores, you know, you'll get a lot of customers and they'll go, oh, look, I got a surge protector from Bunnings or something like that. To put that into perspective, a lot of those surge protectors, they're rated at like 150 to 300 joules, very low numbers. That A12 board that you have behind you there, that is rated at 7,222 joules. So it sort of gives you an idea of why you can pick up a board from Bunnings for 15 bucks and you have to pay $350 because very basic maths would tell you, you know, it's 30, 40 times the amount of protection. So... Um, and, and that protection ultimately is what is protecting your goods against surges and spikes. Um, you know, everyone, when it comes to surges and spikes, everyone thinks storms and lightning is what we need to protect against. And they are right. Okay. So lightning and storms are uh, the most severe, but they're actually the least common of your problems. Uh, your Bigger day-to-day -day issues are actually caused by things inside your home or office. 
So uh, fridges, washers, dryers, all of that stuff has fairly robust motors on it. When those motors kick in and kick off, they can actually send surges into the system and your equipment wears that. So that's why a big dual rating uh, is very important and that's why surge protection is very important. The other two things with surge protection is response time. Now, uh, response time is ultimately the amount of time that the board takes to go, hey, this is a problem, I need to do something about it. All of your major brands, they react in less than a nanosecond. So us, Monster, Furman, Belkin, Crest, just to name a few other brands in protection off the top of my head, they all react in less than a nanosecond. A lot of other brands on the market are upwards of 20 nanoseconds. But to put that into perspective, uh, you can do damage after about seven to eight nanoseconds. So again, it really isn't beneficial to get cheap surge protection. You need to pay for a quality brand because as you can appreciate with a reaction speed like that, it's not even gonna react. Into, even if it had the dual rating and the capacity to do something about it, it's far too slow to the party to do so. And then the other one is clamping voltage. Now, this comes from us, so before I said we were an Australian company, we're one of the only companies to design and engineer our products for 240 volt power. A lot of the other brands on the market, like Monster, for example, they're an American company. You've got European companies. Um, where the, so their, their power products are designed and engineered in those places. And then what happens when they want to bring the product to Australia, they change a few components to make it meet the minimum set of standards required for surge protection in Australia. But I think the industry standard is about 770 volts. So anything under that is actually still going through to your equipment. Thor products clamp at 300 volts. So anything over 300 volts either gets diverted to the earth or absorbed by the surge protector. And, and no other brand on the market that we've tested comes close. I think the closest is about 550 volts. But remember before I was telling you about fridges, washers, dryers, they push a lot of surge into your power around your house. Well, a lot of those surges are three to 400 volts. So a lot of those other products, they, they'll stop you against a storm or lightning or a drop phase or an issue with power supply from your provider, but they won't actually help you out with that day-to-day -day stuff. And you can actually have 50 to 100 surges in your office or in your home or wherever you are every day. Now, all of that is sort of wearing down and wearing down on your equipment. Um, and so that, that's, that's sort of a background into surge and, and why we think we do it better than everyone else because ultimately we, we hit a few of those specifications that are required and we blow them out of the water, making sure that really no damaging voltage gets through to your equipment ever. Cool. Can we talk a bit more about power conditioning? I think that's something that I'd love to know a bit more about as well. Yep. So look, when you say power conditioning, do you mean filtration or do you mean regulation like the, the PS10 in the background there? Yeah, well, I guess... The reason I, I asked that question is because there is a bit of confusion around what people mean by power conditioning. 
I'm definitely one of those that's confused. Okay. So like that product in the background there that you have, the PS10, that is a voltage conditioner or a power conditioner, right? So to some people, power conditioning means filtration, i.e. cleaning the power. Whereas to other people, power conditioning actually means regulating the voltage as well. So I might as well talk about both of those things anyway, because we have both of them covered. So look, filtration, ultimately, um, when it comes to power, you can get uh, what is called noisy or polluted power. And what that is, is actually uh, frequency. So you imagine that uh, a power wave in a perfect situation is a pure sine wave, okay? Now on the back of that pure sine wave, frequencies can get injected into the back of that. Now, the causes of things like this, again, fridges, washers, dryers, air conditioners, issues with power supply. Um, There's so many things that can cause noise in your power. On the East Coast, you guys have uh, the Ripple, you know, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. That is an example of a noise. Now, that one has been deliberately injected in But the problem with noisy power is it can cause all kinds of issues. I mean, uh, we fix things from flickering lights to pixelation, noise on picture. Like, I guess a classic example you might have seen, and I might be showing my age a little bit here, is when I was younger, I'd be watching my cartoons on a Saturday morning and mum would be doing the vacuuming and you'd be getting those buzzy lines on your TV when she, and then you turn the vacuum off and they go away. That's a classic example of noise being injected into the power and then ending up in your equipment. Um, So vacuums, uh, fridges, washers, dryers, I mean, all of these things can cause noise. And, you know, when you're talking on a more uh, commercial or professional application, data losses, a big one, frozen computers. So, We've all had our computer freeze, right? And you've had to hold down the power button until the power shuts off, turn it back on again. A lot of the time, that is actually caused by noisy power. And because your computer, you know, it's a motherboard, it's RAM, it's everything like that. It's a very sensitive piece of equipment and it doesn't like power fluctuations and it doesn't like noisy power. And what it causes is it to do weird things. I mean, we get all kinds of reports of uh, different things that, you know, you go, well, look, sounds like it could be a power issue. I'd start by putting in a A12 or a DRM or something to clean up the power. Once you've done that, and then you can at least eradicate that as an issue. Now, we have, uh, again, we've tested a lot of the products on the market. We have some of the best filtration on the market. Like that A12 board there filters about 70% more noise than any other thing we've tested on the market. And it's an active filtration. And the reason I bring that up is a lot of other brands on the market are what we call a passive filtration. And ultimately, again, if we come back to the pure sine wave, passive filtration just filters the peak and the crest of the wave. So it gives you a reasonable filtration, but our active dynamic tracking filtration is active. So it actually filters the entire of the 240 volt sine wave curve and therefore removes more of those unwanted frequencies that uh, 
ultimately you don't want in your power. You know, when you're building a system from the base up, you need two very staples of your network and that's clean, protected power and a good network. Once you have that, you can sort of build up from there. So that's that's filtration. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There is a lot of noise, especially here. We've got like, I think solar, solar systems are a huge... Massive. Because they feed back onto the grid, they're causing all... Co- I mean, as you know, the grids were never designed for power to be pushed back onto them, but they are anyway. Causes, you know, the inverters and everything cause huge noise issues. You've only got to go and stand near one to realise the amount of noise that they're creating. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, so the other thing was voltage conditioning. So to go a next step up from that, uh, the PS10 in the background is what we call a voltage conditioner. So on top of protecting you with everything we just discussed and having the best active dynamic tracking filtration on there, uh, that actually conditions the voltage. So you may or may not be aware that your voltage actually fluctuates a lot on a daily level. Uh, I know like here in WA, um, if they deliver between 207 and 278 volts, I think it is, that's considered normal operation. Well, as you know, that's not, I mean, our equipment is 240 volt designed, most of it. So that's a pretty big scope between what you could have at your PowerPoint and be deemed normal and what you would expect. So what the PS10 will do is uh, if it, Incoming voltage is anywhere between 190 and 270 volts. It will actually give you a consistent 240 volt sine wave on the nose, plus being protected, plus being filtered. So for those more high-end theatres where, you know, the equipment is expensive and uh, as such, it's all been designed to run on a 240 volt, you're actually going to get improvements in the picture and audio quality of your equipment. Um, We also sell them into scientific labs because um, fluctuations in power can actually cause uh, inaccurate data sets because, you know, the equipment again is designed to run at 240. So when you're talking, you know, a higher end application, you want voltage regulation as well because it goes up and down, and this is going to just give you a consistent 240 volts on the nose to your equipment, ultimately giving it the best chance to deliver the performance that you paid for. Yeah, it seems that the more sensitive the equipment, the more it can benefit from having that that type of clean power. I mean, that unit's uh, about $2,500 retail. Are you going to get the benefit from putting that on a $500 soundbar? wouldn't have thought so, you know, but you're talking about some expensive equipment, a big rack, $20,000, $30,000, absolutely wouldn't dream of not doing it. Yeah. Talking about data racks, I mean, a line that I'm pretty keen on is the PDU range. If you wanted to give our audience a bit of an understanding as to what you guys have on offer there. We have two models, okay? So, and we actually have some new models coming uh, that replace those models with improved protection and filtration. And more will come out about that in the future. But ultimately, it's a single rack unit, one RU. Uh, slots into the rack. You have seven Australian plugs on the front, or sockets rather. And then on the back, you have four IEC sockets. 
So in total, you have 11 ports on the unit. Uh, protected, big dual rating, all of the base specs that we talked about when I was talking protection. Uh, it's actually just had an improvement in filtration as well. So uh, that's the RF11. It's as simple as that. There's, there's not much else to it. An on-off switch, a reset switch, and that, that's all there is to it. It's simply a PDU, but it is a high-end PDU because it delivers ultimate protection and, and filtration as well. Then we move on to the RF11 IQ. Same thing again, except that it's controllable, okay? So the seven main sockets on the front are each controllable individually, on and off. And then on the back, you have the bank of four IECs. They are controllable um, they are controllable as a bank of one, okay? So how can you control it? Firstly, you can log in with your browser and control it from there. So you know the IP address, you simply punch that into your browser, you go in there, it brings up a GUI. And on the new models, we've really re-engineered this uh, GUI so that it's very pretty and gives you all the information you need. Uh, there is an app as well, so you can control it with an app on your phone, Android, iOS, Windows. And now we're, it's Control 4. So we have a Control 4 driver for the current model. And the new model will actually be Control 4 certified. So it has SDDP, which is a programming language that Control 4 require for their certification. Uh, it also has MDNS, which makes it far easier to locate on the network, you literally just type rf11iq.local and it finds it on your network for you. And I mean, again, very simply on-off control because it's a PDU and that's all you nearly really need from it. And that's that's that model. Any way you can control it and then non, a non-controllable version. Some good features for integrators out there for sure. Absolutely. So what are your paths to market? So you've, apart from through professional integrators such as ourselves and industry, you know, residential technology professionals, how, how do end users go about finding the products yet? Well, look, we, um, we have a range in Harvey Normans, uh, Bing Lee's, Retrovision. So you'll find it in most retailers. You'll definitely find it in most specialist hi-fi stores all around Australia in every major city. Um, we, if you're a dealer like yourselves, uh, we also have a few distributors. Um, we've just gotten on board with Snap One, actually, which we're very excited about. So you will find our products in the Snap One portal. You can order from them. That's Control Four as well. So literally, doesn't matter what vertical you're in. We we have an avenue to market for you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Shane. It's been very insightful. I really appreciate you. I love talking the talk. So thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. It's been very helpful. Thanks for watching. So tell me, Jake, what did you like about this episode? I got a really good understanding about power conditioning. Yeah, I found it really useful to understand the difference between surge protection, voltage regulation, and power filtration. Yeah, it was a really good episode. And if you are liking our content, feel free to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell to keep up to date. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Home Tech Talk. We'll see you on the next episode.